I'm Kip Allen with a KFUO News Update. January the 24th through the 30th offers LCMS schools a yearly opportunity to reflect on and share the blessings of Christian education. This year, amid many challenges, they'll have many blessings to celebrate. Currently, the LCMS has 1,914 schools across the nation, serving more than 190,000 students. In the past year, these schools have had to make unexpected adjustments in order to continue their mission and ministry. A testament to their hard work is that enrollment trends are up in many Lutheran schools following the onset of the pandemic. The 2021 NLSW theme is sent to serve based on Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as ransom for many. Starting next month, the state of Texas will no longer be required to award Medicaid funds to Planned Parenthood, this thanks to a November decision by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. After the abortion giant requested a six-month grace period for patients to find new providers while still receiving care, the court denied the request but did allow for a 30-day grace period that will end February the 3rd. The Fifth Circuit and the Texas Attorney General based this decision on Planned Parenthood's involvement in the illegal trafficking of aborted baby body parts that came to light in 2015. The crumbling Roman Empire at the time that he wrote it. million for fraudulently overbilling the state of Texas Medicaid program, as reported by Live Action News. A new report from the Pennsylvania Department of Health reveals that in 2019, there were 654 more abortions in the state than in 2018. This marks the second time right. in a row that the state saw an increase in abortions, and the first time since 2001. <laughs> Don't drink too much. In two consecutive years. This has been a KFUO News Update. Our listeners and supporters are talking We are talking epiphany today, my friend. Uh, no politics today. I'm not in the mood. Wonderful. I love the emphasis on the traditional tunes rather than the modern music. Keep up Yeah, the- just hit me with questions. Let's make this more ask the pastor. Call 314-996-1542. That's 314-996-1542. No, don't. Christ and let, let's try to keep me from soliloquizing too much. When you open yourself up to hearing the right. story behind the apparent contradiction, you may encounter what the Bible is all about. It's a story about the God who loves his people and wants to stay with them. Dr. Michael Ziegler, this week on The Lutheran Hour. Sundays at 12.30 and 5 p.m. on Worldwide KFUO. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk is a program for the Christian layman, the Lutheran who believes but has questions. In short, the program is designed for someone just like me because you know there's a lot I do not understand. Not necessarily something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been bothering me for a while. And I find that rather than getting into a really deep chapter and verse theological discussion, sometimes a casual front porch style with the pastor is the best way to understand it. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Bill Swirla from Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. I have my questions, and I'm sure you have yours. 
You can send questions by email at any time to letstalk at kfuo.org or call in during the program. If you're in the St. Louis area, including Metro East, that's 314-821-0850. Or you can call toll-free anywhere in the lower 48 at 1-800-730-2727. You know, sometimes I feel sorry for the people in Alaska and, uh, and uh, Hawaii who are not in on that toll-free thing. Well, Bill, you're supposed to pick up on that one. Oh, that was a that was a line from me. Feeling that I I don't feel sorry for people in Hawaii, uh, and people in Alaska have chosen to be there. And uh, you know, given given the amount of open space and the distance between you and your neighbor, I get it. Okay, I get it. Uh, so, no, no, no sympathy at all. Uh, they can they can dial it in. You know. <laughs> okay. Well, still, I mean, I just how, how how are you, Kip? It's been this is our first uh, our first little porch get together in 2021. Mm-hmm. The sequel of. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I'm pretty good now. I, I, it's kind of funny. I went to um, uh, had my teeth deep cleaned uh, oh, earlier this week. Do we need to hear about this. Yeah, which is really not it's fun. It's our lunch hour here in the yeah, Pacific, yeah. you know. That's but right. while they while they were doing that, the oh. hygienist says, "You know, you got a pimple on your gum." <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> says, a what? A pimple, a little oh. pimple on my oh. gum. Okay. And so she brings in the dentist, and they shoot X-rays, and it. Oh yeah. Turns out that I have got kind of a um, of a deep infection. Yeah. In my yeah. upper jaw. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's that's kind of a little abscess thing going there. Yeah, this... Again, not what we want to be hearing out here in California at <laughs> lunch hour. But... Well, you know, it's strange because it's it, it doesn't hurt. It doesn't no, hurt at all. No. But I'm it, supposed it, to see it, a specialist. And... Yes, you should. Yeah. <laughs> so there we go. <laughs> all right. Well, that's not theological at all. Happy New Year. Blessed Epiphany. Ah, uh, Epiphany. That was, that was January 6th. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we, we we've entered the epiphany season now for until uh, Lent starts, so well, it's all kind of good. It is, and you know we have a couple of different definitions of epiphany. Of course, in the Christian calendar, that's supposed to be uh, the Magi, you know, who were coming to visit. Um, Webster's Dictionary simply says it's sort of like a a, a sudden a sudden realization. Of something very important and basic. Oh yeah, we, we we say that, don't we? We say I had an epiphany, which means that I had a whiz bang idea or a sudden blick of understanding that I didn't have before. I usually have those mostly in the in the workshop. That's uh, <laughs> it's like, oh, that's how that's supposed to go. <laughs> well, um, I have that when I brew. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and I think there is an epiphany. I, I know there's a craft uh, a microbrewery that that puts out epiphany beer. There's an epiphany vineyards uh, in the central coast. So uh, epiphany means uh, manifestation or appearing. Um, usually it refers to either a very great king or a god. Uh, now there's a, there's a king named Anti- Antiochus IV who thought so highly of himself. And, you know, political ego, this is not a new thing, okay? Uh, the, the, uh, the, the kings of old had some pretty big egos. All you got to do is read the book of Daniel and Nebuchadnezzar. <laughs> and then, of course, God has him eating grass like a cow. So God has a way of, like, humbling the exalted. But anyway, uh, but Antiochus 
the fourth took on the the nickname Epiphanes, Antiochus Epiphanes. Uh, in at least in his own mind, he thought that he he, he himself and his reign was was a divine revelation. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, you know, like I say, you know, it, it, it takes ego to be in high office, and sometimes that ego gets a little bit too big. And... Well, just to say that about radio, too, I mean, nobody sits behind a microphone without having an enormous ego, he said. Well, yeah, I think it takes more to do it when they can see the whites of your eyes. You know, and radio yeah. has a certain kind of anonymity. Yeah. You, they yeah. hear your voice, but they have no idea what you look like, and that's usually a good thing. That's one of the reasons why I chose radio over television. Because, well, you, you know, my dad, of... my dad was in television, and wow, we couldn't really? go out to a restaurant without somebody coming up to us. You know, and, and in radio, nobody, nobody knows Exactly. Cares. You retain your, your anonymity. Plus, as we both know, because we met at the Synodical Convention, you and I both have faces for radio. <laughs> absolutely i have a face for radio <laughs> so uh, yeah tell your wife that she'll probably agree so okay you know, yeah epiphany um well we've drifted off target here now i've got one target well, i've got epiphany questions for you okay all right there you go so shoot. all right now the magi came bearing gifts oh the magi yes now the gold <laughs> i can understand okay but frankincense and myrrh yeah what possible use was that to to uh, an infant or even Mary and Joseph? Yeah. Well, you know, the the thing here is that, uh, first of all, you know, the, there are lots of things we don't know <laughs> about, about the whole narrative. You know, like, who were the magi? Uh, uh -huh. a, magus, uh, a magus is a magician. Uh, Simon Magus. Uh, the, so the Magi, uh, Magi are magicians. Um, they, they are also, they could be sorcerers. Uh, they can also be astrologers, and seeing as how we got a star involved, uh, astrologer is probably a good bet. Uh, they're probably Persians, or uh, AKA Babylonians, you know, as you were charting out the, we were, we were talking earlier about the decline of the empires, mm -hmm. you know, uh, Babylon gave way to Medo-Persia, gave way to Greece, gave way to Rome, you know, but, but uh the uh, they're they're probably from the same lands that uh, the exiles of Israel, like Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, once occupied. And uh, so, but they were astrologers looking in the heavens to, uh, you know, just kind of see what the signs were. Mm -hmm. And uh, and they they catch sight of what they interpret as a king's star, a natal star of a king. We don't know what it was, you know, and there's a lot of talk. You know, we had that conjunction of planets uh, last month, and that was pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, it was. And, and you know, I mean, in some circles, that might fit the bill. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to debate the natural or supernatural aspects of the star. Matthew doesn't say. It just says that a star appeared to them in the east, and, they fought, and you know, that signaled them to, to you know, go to the nearest capital. So, so they, go to, they go to Jerusalem, you know, and knock on Herod's door. Knock, knock, who's there? Uh, wise men from the east. Uh, we, you know, where is he who's born king of the Jews? And Herod's looking around, looking at his wife, saying, do we have a, do we have a baby? You know, uh, nothing here. And and so that of course gets him really riled because he 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 did not not like uh, threats to the throne. He had his brothers killed. He had his sons killed. They used to say of Herod that it was, it was safer to be his dog than his son. <laughs> and and uh, Herod was a piece of work. I mean, uh, you know, he was king of the Jews. He um, I, I'll get to the gifts, but he was king of the Jews. He wasn't a Jew. He was, he was an Edomite. 
And the way he got his, his office was his father, Antipater, was in close with Julius Caesar. So, you know, pays to have friends in high places. So he gets this kingship. You know, of the of Judea, you know, and so he declares himself to be king of the Judeans, king of the Jews, and not even not a Jew. Well, backed and, up by the Romans, that helped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, when your dad has connections with Caesar, Julius Caesar, no less. Yeah, and, and so there's a lot of intrigue in the Herodian dynasty, to say the least. And and uh, and and you know, this this kind of love hate relationship because he does like good things for the Jews to get their favor, like he rebuilds the temple. Uh, so he's got like this huge temple building project going, and they love it because the, the post exilic temple was kind of like, eh. and uh, and he's promising to rebuild it to the splendors of Solomon, you know. So he's got that, but the guy was also paranoid, so he had his own secret service. And he was spying on people constantly, his enemies. And he had a lot of enemies. So he had his own security force, uh, 2,000 man security force. So, uh, yeah, the, he, was, he was a piece of work. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so, uh, you know, and as, as Matthew tells the story, uh, you know, Herod gets kind of wound up about this because some king's been born and he doesn't know about it. And his, his, his SS haven't informed him yet. <laughs> so. They call in the, you know, the Bible scholars, the Torah uh, experts, the, the priests and Levites, and, or the priests and the scribes, and, and I say, well, where's Messiah going to be born? And they, they go straight to Micah, and they say, oh, Bethlehem. And so off they go to Bethlehem, and, you know. They, well, one they, thing I don't understand about the Magi. Well, okay, these guys are king. They're, they're, they're magicians or astrologers from a foreign country. I, I, go with, I go with the Persian astrologer thing, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I was doing a little, doing a little research. The Parthian Empire was, was uh, going at that time. <laughs> yeah, I had a history minor in college. You know, so oh, I, okay. okay. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but why... Would they do all of this, go this huge distance, bearing all these gifts for the king of the Jews? Do they, why? They weren't Jewish. What, what, yeah. what is it with them? I mean, did they recognize somehow that this had a supernatural, uh, uh, a, religious, uh, a religious aspect to it? You know, it's, 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 inter it's an interesting question. Matthew doesn't say. Um, you know, uh, but there's a lot of sort of Old Testament stuff behind that visit. The first and foremost of the ones is the visit of qu the Queen of Sheba to Solomon, and 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 that's recorded in uh, in in First Kings and First Chronicles. So you know, you got the Queen of Sheba, who you know, she's got she's got quite a kingdom herself, but she gets wind. That Solomon is like wiser than anybody, and he's got this like amazing kingdom going, and so she's got to visit. So you never come empty-handed. So she comes with you know bags of treasures and a and an entourage and the whole thing, and and she asks Solomon a bunch of questions. He answers them like more than she could have expected, and then so she offers him gifts and and among them gold and incense. You know so. <laughs> um, so that kind of like greased the path, so to speak, because you have you have the the outsider, the foreigner, the goyim, the queen of Sheba, representing you know the nations and the wealth of the nations, coming to the son of David, Solomon, and offering him gifts. So you have this kind of this pattern brewing. Um, you know, Balaam prophesied that a star would arise in Judah and a scepter, you know, a king star kind of thing. And, you know, Isaiah and uh, the Psalms spoke of, you know, the camels coming, camels of Midian coming to worship him and, 
and uh, you know all kinds of you know and bearing and and kings bearing gifts of gold and frankincense and one. So the the gifts and the visit are very much based in Old Testament prophecy. Whether they knew that or not, you know, they're not they're not sitting around saying, "Hey, let's fulfill Old Testament prophecy," but their 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 actions do. They knew they something was going on here, be over and above just a, a a new king. Yeah, I think so, and and I think the most reasonable explanation, and I always reach for reasonable before I have to go to unreasonable, is is um, you know, the, this was the land where the Jews, uh, the Judeans, the exiled Judeans. Uh, spent 70 years, Daniel and his and, and company. And there was lots of interaction. I mean, they, they the, the Israelites set up shop in Babylon. They didn't want to come home. They had, you know, that's, that's how good it was, essentially. And <clears throat> so they would have had contact with the scriptures, the Torah, the prophets, uh, they would have had conversation with, uh, with you know, people like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so, you know, it was probably embedded in Persian culture. You know, uh, Cyrus was quite favorable. Uh, he, was, he, was quite, he was so favorable toward the Judeans that he signed the edict to let them go home and reestablish their lands and, 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 you know, provided for the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the temple. So the, this wasn't unfriendly. You know, those old animosities were long gone. So, you know, they, they might have had a, uh, you know, a, an inkling of something big uh, to look for, maybe even Messiah big uh, in in uh, Israel. And, and they go to the logical place, Jerusalem, and then they're led not by the star so much, but by the word of Micah. They're led to the less logical place, Bethlehem, which turns out to be very logical because that's David's birthplace. So where do you find the you know the king the son of David king you know, in Bethlehem just like Micah said so so there they are and they offer these gifts um, well a couple gifts. of things I've been reading about the gifts uh, yeah you know, as I said you know gold gold is gold we value it they value it you know what the heck yeah, they some did back there too in their backyard sure yeah, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but frankincense actually it's a uh, it's a, it was an incense as the name implies yeah, and so it's, uh, a resin. Uh, it's it's a resin that's a pure rock incense is still used as uh, you yeah. know that's probably the least allergenic by the way people who are uh, uh, allergic to incense but not to potpourri and other things we you know we we've got you figured out here but oh yeah uh, but but uh, frankincense pure rock frankincense is the least um allergy um poking of all the things you can burn in the name of incense and also uh, my understanding is that, that that was supposed to be the incense that was burned at the temple yeah you know holy of holies so this implies that it's right. a a gift fit for for a god yeah no i i, I know that i i call that the old preacher's saw um, you know, so gold for his kingship, you know, uh, because gold is fitting a king and incense for his deity. And we even have the incense owns a deity nigh from we three kings of Orient are right. That line mm -hmm. incense owns a deity. Whenever you're worshiping a God, be it the true God or any other God, incense is involved. <laughs> right? I used to say to people, you know, we should burn incense in the church because we have a lot of Buddhist neighbors. So if a Buddhist comes into the church and they smell incense and they look around and they say, oh, these people worship Jesus as a god. 
That's what they would conclude, see. So I thought, <laughs> okay, yeah, you're on the right track there. Uh, and then myrrh is a burial spice. So, yeah, now um, that's, a, that's yeah. the other thing here. I mean, myrrh is really kind of strange. I mean, this is a gift you want to give to a child. Yeah, the, the, this is the stuff that you anoint the body with yeah. after death. And, so uh, then for his suffering and his, his death and yeah. burial and stuff. Um, and, it's all real cool, but Matthew doesn't say any of that. <laughs> so I call it a preacher's sigh. Yeah, preachers like stuff. They like to make stuff up like that. Well, you know, in the the book of Mark, during the crucifixion, uh, it says that Jesus was offered wine mixed with myrrh. Right. Was that, what, a painkiller or what? Yeah, kind of a narcotic. Which he declined. I mean, he did drink the sour wine offered by the, uh, the you know, it's kind of like the soldier's ripple, you know, just like the really bad stuff. But, uh, you know, when he cried out, I thirst. And it depends who you're reading, too, because the synoptics vary in what they, what they, uh, all the, the four gospel writers vary in what they highlight. But, um, yeah, this is kind of used as a narcotic. Uh, and then it was, it was a burial spice, a burial, uh, not spice, but a, uh, it was a salve or anointment for the body for burial. Now, it's um, also used, as I understand, for making uh, oils for special anointing over and above for the for the body of the dead. Right. But, but for example, uh, anointing a king. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, anointing oil in general. Anointing oil is still um, made with myrrh. I have anointing oil for anointing the sick, and it's, it's, it's scented with myrrh. It's a very strong and pleasant scent. Um, and I don't know what it comes from. I, I've never done the, the, the biochemistry of another of, tree. Yeah. Is it? Yeah. It's okay, another yeah. tree. Well, I know frankincense is, is a resin from a tree. Yeah. So, um, all you get from Matthew is that they're costly, they're treasures. And, and I think that's the, the sort of the point is you bring your best, you know, in the Middle East, even today, you don't come empty handed. And when you come to basically the baby shower of a king, you better, you better come with some stuff. And so uh, it's just, it's they are doing the Middle Eastern thing, and they are bringing the, the best of their treasures. And, and they are of great value. We, we understand gold is currency, but frankincense and myrrh would also have, um, they would have like international currency value. Because well, of because of their utility, because of their use. Yeah, and th- those trees did not grow in in Israel. They, exactly. They, yeah. So you know, the, it was not easy to get a hold of that stuff. And you know, you're kind of reminded of this this this. Yeah, and the, one of the themes of Epiphany is the nations coming to Christ, because the the Magi represent the nations. You know, the people sitting in darkness have seen a great light. Those you know, dwelling in deep likeness. Uh, darkness, a light has shined in Galilee of the nations, you know, the circle of nations. Uh, and so they represent all nations. They represent the non-Israelite, uh, the world honoring the king, the, the, the baby king. And so, you know, they're following good protocol here. If, if they're convinced that they're following an, a king's natal star, and they're going to visit a king. They're not coming empty-handed. They're going to be bringing their best. And and the best is gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, and that's really all that Matthew gives you is that it's costly. And they pay homage. They they bow uh, the deepest bow that, that one does. There are levels of bowing. You can bow your head. You can bow from the waist. Or you can put your forehead to the ground. And that's what they did. They prostrated themselves before, you know, this. I envision a little kid sitting in his mother's lap like a throne huh and and they they bow before this king and acknowledge his kingship and that there's also a practical side uh because in the next paragraph uh the holy family has to flee 
Yeah. Uh, because because Herod, the egotist, uh, cannot abide this, and so he sends out his special forces to uh, basically kill all the baby boys in Bethlehem under the age of two. And so uh, Joseph gets warned in a dream, like he always does, and he whisks the family off to Egypt, which is not really all that out of sorts because there was a large, um, already a large population of uh, the Jews of the scattering, the diaspora in Egypt. So there's probably relatives there and there's work for him there. So it, it's a logical place. But when you do that, when you're upended, you need, you need, some, you need some money. You need cash. Yeah, and, and, the, uh, and the Magi gave him that. Exactly. It was, it was, a, it was a provision for the, the, the trip soon to follow. And, and that's international currency. That's not Israelite shekel, okay? That's international currency. And because uh, everybody's trading in gold, incense, and myrrh. So, um, so it provided for the, the, for the family to, to make the trip to, e to Egypt. And, and, of course, that trip to Egypt is also fulfillment of prophecy. Out of Egypt, I've called my son. Uh, Hosea 11.1. So, you know, this is in that part of Matthew where everything is in fulfillment of Scripture. There are seven big fulfillments, uh, you know, beginning with Isaiah 7, that a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and ending with the one you can't find in the Old Testament, he shall be called a Nazarene. <laughs> <laughs> you, we can talk about that one some other time. But so, you know, so the Magi, the, the reason for including this episode in part is to bring the emphasis that this child who is the lawful rightful promised king of israel this the promised successor to david's throne who would establish his throne forever um this is also the king of the nations and so uh, even the outsiders come and acknowledge his kingship, as they will on his last epiphany, when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess Lord Jesus Christ. Whether in faith or unbelief, every every tongue will confess this to the glory of God the Father. And and again, it's uh, I like the symbol, the symbiology of this thing. I hadn't quite thought of it in this in that uh, term, but uh, it's almost uh, like before the where uh, uh, he's saying. Well, he's not saying. I mean, what, what's happening here is it's saying that the the God is there. Jesus is there for everyone, not just the Jews. Right. And, but and for that's Matthew's big point, because there's a tendency in Old Testament Israel to think of Yahweh as a national deity. He's our God, and the Ammonites have their God, the Edomites have their God, the Moabites have their God, but ours is the best. And, and, and you know... Ours can, uh, my God can, my God can beat up your God, that kind of thing. <laughs> but, but, but the prophets are continually correcting this country club notion because, because God is the only God. There are no other gods. The other gods are false. They're fakes. They're frauds. And everything that the, the pagans are attributing to their God belongs rightfully to Yahweh, see? And so, um, so this Matthew's emphasis here. And he's writing to a predominantly, I think, predominantly Jewish audience, uh, is that your Jewishness does not get you in, you see, because to be in Christ is to be one with the nations now. That's why at the end of Matthew, it's baptized all the nations. See, again, it's that, that, that uh, worldwide, that ecumenical uh, uh, you know, salvation, not particular to Israel. No, well, the, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they, they spoke all these languages. 
Right. Well, that's yeah. That's that's Luke and Acts and another another strand. <laughs> but yeah, you know, everybody's got this, you know, because and and Jesus himself, you know, he starts out exclusive. He tells he tells a Canaanite woman, "I've only come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel." <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And and I can see that I can see the, the disciples go, "Yeah, you you tell her, you tell that Canaanite dog, you you know, you put her in her place." But then she she gets the miracle and she gets praise from Jesus that her faith is great he's not seen such faith in Israel this Canaanite dog <laughs> <laughs> and so you know that this this all builds the 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 case if you will that this Messiah of Israel is the king of all kings the Lord of all lords the ruler and creator of the universe uh, and he belongs to no nation but all nations come to him. Well, we've got to take a little break here, <clears throat> but I think we've got a lot more to discuss about Epiphany and what it means and all the symbols. Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, on behalf of Concordia Plan Services, Lutheran Housing Support Corporation, Concordia University System, Lutheran Church Extension Fund, the LCMS Foundation, and Corporate Synod, daily reaches out to our members and partners, working together to support our local, global, and international ministries, church workers, and LCMS initiatives at large to carry the mission forward and to serve each other in love. Opportunities to serve, lcms.org careers. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. The prophet Isaiah chapter 55 verses 10 and 11. Begin and conclude your day with the word that accomplishes the purposes for which it is sent. Morning prayer at 7 a.m. and evening prayer at 5 p.m. Weekdays on KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere. The broadcasts of morning prayer and evening prayer are underwritten by Lutherans for Life. You hear our voices every day as we speak the gospel, share the latest news, or for insightful and sometimes entertaining talk. Why not share your voice with us and send us your feedback, suggestions, and questions? Leave your comment at 314-996-1542. Be sure to follow us on social media, too, so you can like, comment, and share your favorite posts. Drop an email to kfuo at kfuo.org or send a snail mail letter to Worldwide KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. We all have a God-given instinct to survive and thrive, and it's mostly a good thing. Unless you take it too far, then you can get into trouble. Hi, I'm Callie Breeze with Thrivent, helping you be wise and thrive. 
Unfortunately, sometimes that survive and thrive instinct can lead you to a scarcity mentality. So instead of eating just until you're full, you overeat. And instead of buying just the clothes you need, you bin shop. Or you get a house that's twice too big. We all face this challenge, but how do you overcome it? One way that works for me is gratitude. You live in an abundant world, so be grateful you have enough for yourself and your family and to give to others. That will help you avoid wanting more than you need. God is a generous God who provides for our every need. So honor Him by living in gratitude. That's the path to a life of contentment, confidence, and generosity. Welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor's in. Pastor today is Pastor Bill Swirla from Holy Trinity Lutheran Church in Hacienda Heights, California. We are discussing the meaning and the symbiology of epiphany. And boy, I tell you this thing, there's a whole bunch of layers here on epiphany that I really never thought about. And uh, Bill, my my hat's off to you. (laughs) Things like... uh, well, you know, like I, I asked you, what the significance of the of the frankincense and the myrrh, and why a couple, why some foreigners would come to honor a a foreign king, and uh, well, this fulfilling a lot of the Old Testament prophecies. That's something I hadn't really really considered. Yeah, it's 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 sort of the the pattern of of prophecy. Prophecy is much much more than just predicting a, an event, but it it sets a kind of a pattern. Uh, and that pattern doesn't end with the visit of the Magi. You go to the Revelation, and all the kings of the nations bring the glory of their nations into the city of God through the gates. See, and and so and and lay them before the Lamb, the enthroned Lamb. So so that theme continues all the way to the end of of the Bible and and the final vision of the Revelation, when the city of God uh, makes its epiphany. And uh, and and all the glory of the nations is brought into it. So, uh, you know, it's just another stop along the way. There's another little uh, thing in that story that's worth noting. Um, is it's really kind of a tale of two kings because the 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 wise men go to first of all to the palace in Jerusalem, the logical place, and they meet King Herod. And Herod actually officially sends them on their way. You know, he says, go and, and then come back and tell me where you found him because I want to worship him too. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, now, they don't know any better necessarily, and so, but they go uh, with the king's permission. You, know, you can't be wandering around Israel without, you know, papers here. So he's stamped their visa, and it's okay. And, and, uh, and the, but uh, Matthew says at the end of that incident that they're warned in a dream in the same way that Joseph was not to go back to Herod. And so they returned to their own country by another way. And, and I like, I like that. I, I like the, the, the poetic of that. It's like, um, they came in the way of Herod, but they left in the way of King Jesus. Mm. See, and and it's really the tale of two kings. This 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 nearly anonymous child, less than two years old, in the lap of his mother in Bethlehem, and Herod the Great, the the paranoid, egotistical, monomaniacal, uh, murderous uh, king of the Judeans who wasn't even himself a Judean, and and so you have this this. This the this this very sharp contrast between the true king and the usurper king. 
Yeah. And which one wins out at the end. And, you know, Harry didn't live that long after that, as I recall. Well, and his his uh, his kingdom got divvied up into four parts. Yeah, the Tetrarchy. Uh, yeah. And, and, you know, that's the thing is, is that uh, usually after there's a great king, there's kind of rubble in his wake, uh, you know, and this is God's way of saying, tr don't trust in these guys. Okay. Uh -huh. They, I, I put them up for a while and then I knocked them down again. You know, it's like, uh, you know, in, in the prophets, the King of Assyria, when Isaiah talks about, uh, talks to Ahaz about his, his, uh, Syro Ephraimite problem. Um, you know, Ahaz is tempted to go and, and, uh, cozy up with the King of Assyria and and Isaiah's there to say, don't do it. Just trust God. God is with us. You don't have to do this. But he does anyway. And he unleashes in that action, he unleashes God's judgment on the north. And to a certain extent also on the south with the with the king with uh, the king of uh, Tiglath Pileser of Assyria. And um and then God knocks him down because he enjoyed it too much, you know. So it's 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 like you know, be careful if 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 you think being an instrument of God's wrath um, gets you in good with God, think again, you know. <laughs> and the same the same with Nebuchadnezzar, you know, who had an ego a mile high. You know, he he erects a golden image of himself and demands that people worship it which lands Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in a fiery furnace heated seven times more than normal, you know. And, and everything is so over-the-top and egotistical uh, <laughs> because these guys, these guys had enormous egos. And they really thought they were divine. They thought they were gods. They thought they were unstoppable. And God just kind of crushes them like a bug on a windshield when he's done with them. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting way to put it. Uh... We, we are, but, but, you know, we talk about also being humble in humility, uh, the meek shall inherit the earth, uh, and the arrogant apparently get put down quite frequently, uh, as yep. we pointed out with these. <laughs> well, old Adam has to fall, see, ah. and, and so, so the little King Herod in each of us goes too, okay? Let's, I know. Let, you know, let's not, let's not just point the finger at, at the easy targets, but what you oh. see at work, what you see at work in all the despots of the world, <laughs> uh, that's at work in us too, and that's the desire to be God in place of God. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah, look know. at, look at North Korea, uh. Where in some and in some places the Qin Dynasty is actually ruled, uh, it's actually regarded as deities. Yeah, but see, they do the same thing today, and and that's that's you know that that's a common theme. That that's that's a theme that's gone back throughout human history. The 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 overinflated egos of of rulers, mm. and uh, and you know God lets them have their day. And then they and their empire just crumbles, and uh, God raises up something else. And and you know you don't mess with the Lord of the universe. Let's just put it that way. You know you 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 would be wise, like the wise men, to uh, bow with your forehead to the ground at the feet of King Jesus and leave your gifts there. <laughs> he, he'll take care of you, but the others not so much. Uh, well, maybe some lessons for our society today. Exactly. Well, it's you know we think we're different, but we are in effect no different. And and yes, I, I would say so. <laughs>
Now, uh, Epiphany is a season, too. It's not just a day. And there's these... No, go on. Yeah, go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to talk over you, and I realize I don't know what I'm talking about. You go ahead. Oh, I don't know either, but but I <laughs> I, I just try to fill in the blank. Um, the uh, the season is a little bit. It, it the the Catholics just call it ordinary time, but I I think it has a little bit of a character uh, in that it, there's a lot of emphasis on Jesus' miracles. Uh, in fact, um, well, first of all, the, 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 the first great epiphany, besides the epiphany, is the baptism of our Lord. That's mm-hmm. what the, the Eastern Orthodox celebrate that as the epiphany, the manifestation, is not the wise men. That's, just gen- that's their Christmas. But um, the, um, the baptism of our Lord, where it is revealed publicly to Israel that this is the beloved Son of God that this is the, 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 the Messiah, the anointed one. So the spirit descends upon him. The father testifies by a voice, uh, you know, and, and he's there, you know, in solidarity with sinners in the water of John's baptism. So, you know, that's his big coming out. That's his epiphany. Uh, until then, it's pretty secret. You know, a bunch of shepherds kind of got in on the act and some wise men from the east. But he didn't have any worshipers around. You know, no. You know, for the rest of the, you know, that's it. It's kind of done. Uh, and, and you know, and, people were, were telling John, John the Baptist, you know, are you the Messiah? Are you, are you Isaiah? You know, the whole thing. Yeah. And, and he's saying, no, you know, I'm not even worthy to, to untie the, the, uh, the sandal. And, uh, when Jesus came, he said, you know, I can't baptize you. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. John, John's, you know, the, remember they're cousins cause Mary, oh, yeah. and Elizabeth, Mary and Elizabeth are cousins. And so it's like, you know, he's, he's saying, Hey cousin, uh, you got it backwards here. You know, you should be <laughs> baptizing me. Yeah. And, uh, and at that point where, at, where Jesus was revealed to a multitude of people as being the son of God, as being part of God. That would be the epiphany, and I, I, I just imagine what must have been going through the land of uh, of Israel then, when these people were, were, who had witnessed this, start spreading the word. Yeah, you know, you've got a you've got a time where people are actively looking for Messiah, and they're they're asking the the questions that they were asking John were legit. Are you the Messiah? Um, because because he represented something different. Um, and so this is a time when everybody's looking for the Messiah, and they have expectations, uh, mostly one of the kind of the mythic strongman, you know, that a great a military leader or a great kind of kingly leader who would lead a revolution and and bring Israel back to its former glory and establish the throne of David as a political entity on the earth. Um, that turned that was not Jesus' agenda. There were people who actually thought that John was the Messiah, uh, and that, that belief persisted into the second century. It didn't die. Even um, though John denied it? Yeah. And in fact, that's why John, the gospel writer, um, who is writing a, a gospel rather late on the game, uh, in the game, uh, we, we think, um, goes to great troubles to quote him, to say, I am not the Christ, uh, because there were people who thought he was. 
You know, you remember in the book of Acts, there, there were some disciples of John that Paul encounters, and he baptizes them because they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. He says, he says what, what, with what baptism were you baptized with? They said, with John's. But they hadn't received the Holy Spirit, so, so, so uh, Paul baptizes them again, so to speak. Um, but, you know, you had followers of John, too, and, and that was a controversy because John's followers were leaving John to go to Jesus. And everybody's saying, look, they're leaving you. You're losing your disciples. And he goes, that's good. He must increase. I must decrease. <laughs> See, you know, and so, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a lot, there's a lot sort of behind the scenes going on. And each of the gospel writers has a kind of a different attitude toward John, too. I mean, like Luke doesn't really seem to like him. Because the, the, Luke has where, you know, John doubts in prison. John, John wobbles. You know, and, and, and I think that's, that's, that's again, reinforcing <clears throat> he's not the one. Jesus is the one. Don't follow him. Follow Jesus. But even Jesus, uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane, asked not to have to do this. Well, that's a little different. I mean, that, <laughs> uh, when, when you're bearing the sin of the world, uh, you, you, you are entitled to talk to your father who sent you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't but, want to do this, Dad. <laughs> but, but, but in obedience, he does what he was sent to do, and that, and, uh, that underscores that. Uh, it's, it, I think it underscores the weight, the gravity, the, uh, just the, the, you know, this is, this is human suffering, but it's not just one man suffering for himself. This is the aggregate of human suffering and the aggregate of human sin. You know, he became sin for us. Um, and so he's, he's not just, he's not an individual, really. He's all humanity. And that's a burden no man can bear except him. So he, and he did. Well, one, one thing that Jesus said uh, when he was on the cross, uh, was he asked why he had been forsaken. I think the reason he said that was to show us that even he understood despair. Well, maybe a little deeper than that, that, he, that first of all, he's quoting Psalm 22, the opening verses. So, so that would cause anybody who hears this to immediately look at the whole thing, you know, not just that verse, but mm -hmm. look at all of Psalm 22. Uh, and and it is it is the psalm of the 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 king the king who has been abandoned, uh, and the king who is suffering, and the king whose enemies have gotten the best of him, uh, but but who still claims vindication in the end. Um, he, he you know there's a lot there's a lot of of speculation on this what what was that about you know how can god abandon god yeah but 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 you know you have to kind of get a bead on who jesus is he is the second adam he's aggregate humanity and so he experiences in his own being the god forsakenness of our sin and our death uh you know so that we in our time when we feel abandoned by God can know that we have, as Job said, we have an advocate. Uh, and that is the one who experienced that God forsakenness, uh, the silence of God uh, on our behalf. So we're not alone uh, in, in that. Yeah, I say that. And um, yeah, as I mentioned, you know, I think to demonstrate to all of us that Jesus truly understands the magnitude of our sins. Uh, one of the things I'd read about uh, was, for example, Judas. 
the reason that Judas was damned was not because he betrayed Jesus, but because he believed he could not be forgiven. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, open up a I, can of worms here. Huh? I don't know what Judas believed, and I don't know where Judas is, and judgment is not given for me to say. So I'm going to be very quiet about that. Um, it, well, he committed uh, suicide because of what he did. Uh, yeah, but that doesn't damn you. That's just... Uh, well, that's, yeah, I've had some talks with... You know, it's interesting. When I was growing up, uh, that was always... You know, suicide was the... Yeah, for all kinds of wrong reasons. Um, But, you know, maybe that's a topic for another porch conversation because that's going to go deep. But but no, we we don't say that Judas is we don't say that he's damned. We don't say that that he's damned because he committed suicide. Uh, You can say a few things. Um, One is that he he was sorry. Um, one of the, one of his problems was he went to the wrong place for absolution. He tried to give back the money and and confess that it was blood money. He betrayed innocent blood, and the priest, the faithless priest, who had no absolution to give, said, "Well, what's, that's not our problem. That's your problem. You solve it." Um, so they were they were not good priests. Um, no, Pete, they were, they Peter. Were not. Peter denied and, in effect, betrayed Jesus uh, uh, for far lesser terms. He wasn't even paid. He just, just didn't have the guts to say it to a little girl in the courtyard. And, but again, uh, he, he repented for that and, and, well, and, knew, he, and knew he was forgiven. Uh, Jesus, uh, Judas did not, did not believe he'd be forgiven. I don't know what Judas believed, but I do know that, that Peter went to the right place. He came back to Jesus. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, that, that really is the bottom line. you know. We, and that is the bottom line. You know, uh, no matter what you have done, no matter why you have done it, come back to Jesus. You know, he, he's like the prodigal father who just keeps forgiving and embracing, <laughs> you know, filthy, stinking sons. So so just 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 come back to Jesus. But epiphany manifestations. Um, so you have the baptism. And then, and then a week later in the historic series, and I wish they would have kept this in the three years. Well, is you have the wedding at Cana, uh, um, fir- and that's that's always the first, first miracle Sunday after the baptism of our Lord is is the the miracle at Cana, which is not an endorsement of marriage in the family. Everybody makes this into a marriage thing, but it's messianic. It's a revelation. It's the first of the signs that Jesus did. Uh, it happened to be at a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and his disciples believed in him. By the way, if you want to see an interesting dramatization of that, uh, watch that TV series called The Chosen. I've heard of the series. I've not seen it yet. It's really well done. Really well done. Now, it's it goes beyond the biblical uh, text, but they're very clear that they're doing that. They're not. They're not making a movie about the Bible, but they're they're you know like you're know, like that novel, The Robe, you know, where where mm-hmm. you kind of like or like James Mishner did with Covenant, you know, and 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 Israel. You you um you you cast your story using biblical figures and as much biblical data as you have, but you recognize you're going beyond and telling the story. But they do a really great great dramatization of the wedding at Cana and and I think they nail it I think they nail they they nail the sights the sounds the smells everything it's just really moving well for Um, the audience tell us where they can and for for me for that matter uh where can we see the uh the series what's it uh, on um, it's not on anything It, it it is a crowd funded 
um, it, you view it via an app, no less. And and you have to go and find it on the internet, the chosen. I'll see if I could find uh, the the uh, um, URL for it or or what it is. But but you basically download the app, and and uh, you know there's a little bit of um, how to say uh, there's a little bit of uh, uh, advertising. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you can also watch it on YouTube, I think. But but they are they're they're um, crowdsourced and so and funded, so they're independent. They're not dependent on studios or studio money, and so they can kind of do it the way they want to do it. And they really do it. They do it well. Uh, it's called the chosen. Um, uh, the the okay. So the the website is studios.vidangel, V-I-D-A-N-G-E-L, vidangel.com, backslash the chosen. It'll, it'll come up. Um, really good. Now, you know, people are going to say, well, it's not, it's not accurate to the Bible. Right, but they don't purport to be. They're kind of like viewing Jesus through very, the eyes of various biblical characters. Chief among them is Nicodemus, and it's, it's just really, really well done. I like the Nicodemus character a lot. And, but you recognize that you're watching biblical fiction. Mm -hmm. You're not watching a Bible movie. You're watching biblical fiction. But man, there's a lot to talk about at the end of each episode. There really is. I, I would love to view it with a bunch of people sometimes and just have a conversation about it afterwards. Well, maybe that's an idea for a program in the future. But my, my point, uh, roundabout, is that the wedding at Cana is is a the first of the seven signs of John where Jesus reveals his glory. And so they're revelatory. It's, it's not so much that he was sympathetic that they ran out of wine before the, the feast was <laughs> over, but this idea that in the age of Messiah, wine would flow with abundance, joy would 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 just you know overflow, and wine was symbolic of joy, mm -hmm. you know, wine that gladdens the hearts of men. It was the the beverage of joy. You you drank wine to celebrate weddings, the Sabbath, you know, this kind of thing. And so uh, when Jesus appears, when the bridegroom has appured, uh, and, and that there can be nothing but joy overflowing. And so, so he restores joy to a, a wedding feast that had run dry. But see, he manifested, he epiphanied his glory. He gave them a sneak peek of who he is. I enjoy sometimes teasing my Baptist friends by saying, Jesus changed water into wine, not wine into water. <laughs> and I would add that grape juice has never gladdened the hearts of men. <laughs> but, be that as it may, that, that, that's nasty for me to do that. <laughs> I, I'm more than happy to discuss theology with Hey, we, we say it in love and we say it with good humor, but we say it with, in, with seriousness of intent. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Yeah. And... and I don't know if, if Jesus used humor. I know he used a. a uh, some of his parables are are funny. If you've got the ears to hear, they, they are over the top funny. And that's another gift from from God: laughter. 
Yeah, though in the Bible, the only time God laughs is in derision and scorn. <laughs> he, he he laughs at the nations while they're while they're in turmoil and doing their nation thing. Uh, he sits enthroned and laughs at all of them. He holds them in derision. That includes us, by the way. So yeah. he's laughing. He's laughing at us. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, I hear him laugh every time I tell him my plans. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a lot of people laugh when when they hear that. So, yeah. <laughs> and it's show. I mean, I look at <laughs> this is definitely not where I thought it's going to wind up. I'm glad I did. Uh, now, you, you you mentioned Jesus and a sense of humor in the chosen. The Jesus that they portray uh, uh, really does have quite a sense of humor. He's a very warm, personable guy kind of guy you'd like to get to know. And he, he kind of yanks people's chain in a, in a friendly and provocative way, a, a way that invites them to ask for more. Uh, and, and it's not the austere Jesus that we're kind of used to from iconography and, and uh, uh, most Bible movies. So I like that aspect of it, too, that, that uh, uh, you know, the, even stuff where he, says, where he says to the fisherman, he says, he says uh, yeah, you know, Peter catches a bunch of fish, and he goes, Peter, follow me. And 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 I I'll make you a fisher of men, and and Peter's just wild out. He doesn't know what this means, you know. <laughs> but but it's kind of like it's almost like a. I mean, it's a pun, but he really does look like he's punning. There's like this mischievous gleam in the Savior's eye, which I'll make you a fisher of men. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the things that doesn't translate sometimes. You know. No, no, and and Middle Eastern humor is different than Western humor too. I Ken Bailey does a very nice job. Uh, a book called For a Poet and Peasant. Uh, where he kind of listens to the parables through more of a Middle Eastern ear. And he points out what your average person in Israel in the first century would have heard and how they would have reacted. And some of the parables are just downright funny uh, <laughs> in their over-the-topness. And, and, and that's quite intentional. It's, it's, they're designed to teach heavenly things in an earthly manner. So, so there's a certain kind of over-the-topness to it. But they're very hearable. And, and even today, uh, you know, Palestinian storytellers still tell parables. It's, it's, a, it's a way to, to embed, uh, it's a way to, you know, communicate in, in a way that captures the imagination. And um, again, it, I think the, the purpose is to is to make people think. When when he was with the parables, uh, well, actually, quite the opposite. He <clears throat> says he says I'm speaking in parables so that, uh, and he's quoting Isaiah's call, so that in hearing they won't hear, and in understanding they won't comprehend. In other words, they think they're so smart. I'm going to make them really stupid now. And, and and so he speaks in riddles that no, even the disciples kept saying, "Explain the parable to us," you know. And and so the idea is, if you don't get Jesus, you won't get the parables either. Well, so, that's, and that, and that's that's a beautiful thing about that is is that it actually empties their heads so they can be filled with the right things. Well, Bill, that's one of the reasons why we have a pastor on this program is because. <laughs> I get things wrong. <laughs> they don't understand. <laughs> so thanks for being along here, and thanks for, thanks for talking about me. Epiphany. All right. You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with the pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. 
You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.